Let us not be ashamed to speak what we shame not to think. Michel de Montaigne In a realm abound with fragility and fabrication, truth is forced underground. We must, as sentinels do, provide sanctuary to the marketplace of ideas. And so, let us prepare to proclaim boldly and contend forthrightly before the court. This is Candor and Counter. Hey everybody. Uh, welcome to Candor and Counter. My name is David. I'm Sean. I'm Chris. So this week we'll be tearing into another fresh new topic. Yeah, I'm ready. I like this part. Well, should I go ahead? Yeah, let's get right into it. So what's what's the topic? Topic this week, the ghost of Tsushima, submitted by Bug. I I have no idea what I that is. I'm guessing they mean there's a game called Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah. I'm guessing they mean the game because there is actual like, I mean there's history there that we could talk about. Yeah, and I mean you, you and I at least. Yeah. Uh, I mean obviously I wouldn't want to particularly do it in this podcast because it doesn't seem like our thing right, or like, our demographic like, yeah because we could talk about our opinions on the game because yeah these guys could some. talk about video games endless all all night they could just <laughs> yeah. sit here in fact they do talk yes. about video games all night <laughs> that's what i was gonna say in fact 15 minutes yeah. ago we spent 30 minutes talking about games yeah yeah i have to ease them back into the podcast because when they get into <laughs> game talk mode it's like <laughs> focus focus but but it, even if it's the actual historical events that surround the ghost of Shima because it, it's a historically yeah, yeah, accurate yeah. large you know the mongol invasion yeah. of Tsushima but the, um, what the mongolian it is a yeah, mongolian mongolian, yeah. mongolian invasion uh of the island of Tsushima that's what this game is all about yeah okay i know that it's not a topic that we can go back and forth on and do research yeah. and change and all that stuff. But I want the listener to know bug was it whoever you are. We really appreciate you sending in a topic. I want, I don't want you to think that this is in any way your fault. This is actually my fault because of the way that we started to realize how our method of discussion and reassessment and education and stuff, how that was all going to play out in the time since we started as submissions started coming in, we've refined that process. And I hope that people can sort of pick out what we're looking for now. I think we're looking for, I don't want to restrain it to this. So feel free to submit things that are different than this. But I think we're looking for comparisons or questions about opinions or how to word it. Something we can make and study a week's worth of content and yeah. come back with an opinion that may or may not differ. Yeah. I think a lot of it has to revolve around opinion Yeah, and a lot of it has to involve something that can be studied in some way or a new perspective can be made 
a parent right somewhere and so that typically that involves so many areas of life like you said you don't want to restrict it i don't want to put labels on it and that handcuff that but usually it revolves around societal or philosophical thoughts yeah, yeah or or religious right. or moral issues or political or political issues or cultural culture yeah that's good there's many things that they encompass military and it's hard for us to name all of them yeah there is a point where we can't really make a 30 to 40 minute episode yeah and then another 30 to 40 minute episode of opinion i i sort of think about it like this the ghost of tsushima might be a topic that you would go and talk to your neighbor about, which is good. And it's something you can talk about. But I think most of the topics that we end up with here, they're topics that you might avoid talking to your neighbor about, but maybe shouldn't. Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah. I think that we can learn to talk to each other properly. And this really of course plays to that discourse. Yeah. The that we were just in. Yeah. But I think when we get together, our goal here is to go into a topic that will open us somehow. That's the best way I know it. To really extract something or learn something from it. Yeah, that's what, like this last death penalty episode was sort of like that. It made you turn introspectively and listen to each other. And then say, okay, now with all of these conflicts, internal and external, where am I at? Yeah. And I, I want that to be candor encounter. Yeah. And so that was the long way yeah. around bug <laughs> of saying, thank you. We don't think less of your topic at all. We're going to go with another one and we're going to see if maybe we can find something that we can dig deep on. So Sean goes in for round two. Pulling out (laughs) another one. Oh my goodness, that looks long. (laughs) Much, very long. (laughs) (laughs) I definitely won't be able to use the full text in the title. That's true. Yeah, I didn't even think about it. I've always done that. So it is pretty long, but we'll just get into it. The idea of American historical changes or preservation in today's social and political climate, i.e. the tearing down of old Confederate monuments or the perspective shift on American history and how it has inspired people to protest and or rally together for major, major economical and political correctness in a country racially, morally, and politically divided. Can I see that? Holy do you, cow. Do you mind if I, I see that and read it? Okay, so... I see what it's saying. It just went deep into the question. It clarified. It, well, it's anonymous, by the way. Anonymous, yes. Submitted by anonymous. So, all right, David, it's in your hand now. Why don't you go through it? Read it one more time, because I'm, I'm just trying to process yep. this. The idea of... American historical changes slash preservation in today's social and political climate, comma, 
i.e. the tearing down of old Confederate monuments or the perspective shift on American history and how it inspired people to protest, riot, and or rally together for major economical and political correctness in a country racially, morally, and politically divided. Okay, let's, let's, let's go through this a little slow. The idea of American historical changes slash preservation. preservation. We'll, we'll move on from that in a minute, but let's go slowly. Sure. The idea of American historical changes. So does that mean changes over time or does that mean changes in its history? What is ta- What are we talking about? Are we talking about revising history? Or are we talking about the change in the country over time? Because then Anonymous says the tearing down of old Confederate monuments or the perspective shift on American history, which makes me think they're talking about the revision of history yeah. when they say historical changes. I, the reason I ask that is because historical changes can be interpreted many differently. Different ways. So I, they put IE in there, I think, to clarify what they're saying. Historical changes slash preservation, meaning the preservation of the history that's being changed. Changed, right, right, right. That's why they put it in there to give it that duality to clarify. Okay. Basically, I think what they're saying is the revision of history in the United States, the changing of history that is taught and recorded and known in today's social and political climate. And you can... Not erase the rest because they use it to clarify their point. But that main first sentence is the point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is everybody on par now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Well, the first thing that came to mind at least was the January 6th thing in D.C. Because that was a rallying for historical purposes, sort of. I'm not really sure. Because they felt, you know, the election had been stolen and, you know, they had to do something about it. And they wanted to be, wanted it to be known. And, well, the only, one of the only reasons that it came to mind was because my roommate Cody went to D.C. on January 6th himself. That's just why I thought about it. Well. So we could talk about. I didn't, um, and you're not wrong. I don't mind talking about it. I just don't want to lose the focus of the question, which they used the rallies as an example where division occurs and how it has to do with society and even elections and all of that stuff. But I think what they're really looking for is how does all of this tie into the changing or the revision of the history of the country and so preservation or oh, pre- or the preservation of the history yeah. of the country. I don't see a real direct tie in between a lot of these it's rallies. I mean, they're like, or riots or, or anything like that. I do. There are in the base form. Maybe that's not the right term in the mission statements of some of these organizations. They support or their supporters generally support the changes that are being made to the way that the history of the United States is viewed. 
So why don't we talk a little bit about any changes that we have seen either in the news or in on Facebook or in society about what people are saying about the history of the United States. The old Confederate monuments around. That was something. That's a, that's a good starting point. I mean, they put it in their topic, yeah. so that's a good starting point. That's an obvious alteration in the dimension of history. And so how does that play out? How does that, what does that mean? So they're tearing down Confederate monuments and they're specifically doing it for the claims of racism in the name of racism. Right. I mean, not in the name of racism that came out weird, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. In support of ending racism or erasing racism, actually, I should say. So what do you think about that? So a common theme that's going to be showing up during this discussion, for me at least, I think history should be left unaltered, period, 100%. As gory as it is, as horrible as it is, it should be left unaltered through all, through whatever means it was written. And I realize that that's... Painful? Not really painful. I mean, painful is a good way to say it, but history always has two sides and they're not always recorded. So when you say that you want history to be written or not be written, be left as it is, you only see one side. History is written by the victors, right? Yeah, I was going to get to that, but you nailed it. But like... So when I say I want it to be. You acknowledge the bias in saying yes. that. Yeah. But. I should, I should say moving forward. I want. Everything to be included in history. I'm unsure. How I feel about the statues themselves. Because they are paying grace to what was seen as a hero in the time. Right. It's a form of worship or. Right. Acknowledgement. Okay. And the statue themselves, that the statue isn't what matters. The history behind it. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know, maybe I'm a fan of books, but. I agree like, with you. Everything should be written down and everything else should be, we need to move on. There's no context behind the statue. Right. There's no, you can't learn anything from it. Write down what happened, ignore everything else. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like, you don't have to have a physical manifestation for everything that happens. You think it's more important that we understand it? Yeah. Rather like, than remember. Note everything down that happened. Make sure everybody understands what happened. Everything in the physical world, beyond, say, books or wherever you're learning from, some archive on the internet or something. But the uh, the immutability of monuments is sort of their purpose. It's sort of like this. They're, they're sort of eternal in a way. Long after the collapse, possibly, of the American experiment, the president's faces will be on Mount Rushmore and people will wonder. But it's only, it's only a, a point of memory or or remembrance it's not it can't inform them of those beliefs 
No, yeah. it can't educate them on what they did. Like, but it's it's a reason and a reminder that is immovable. When you're talking about like Confederate monuments, let's say they were erected by someone who supported them. But I also don't, I mean, I don't want to push too hard here, but the truth is, yes, there was something seriously broken in the South during the Civil War, you know, and before the Civil War. It was a long, dark scar in this area that we live in. Mm -hmm. And it's um, something that we should always remember. And I think it's fair to say that it should be, or we should be thankful that humanity has brought us out of that. Right. No. Yeah. And to recognize that as well. So going back to the monuments, I don't think that there is a, an inherent difference between me and them. I recognize the monster within myself and my ability to lose my moral compass. So the environment that they grew up in, I'm not defending them. I don't want anyone to misconstrue what I'm saying here. Like I don't support racism. I don't support slavery. Right. I never have. Luckily I grew up in a society that looks at that as a despicable thing. But we talked about this in what episode was it? Altruism. What talked about? What? We talked about our ability to go back and judge societies. It was altruism. Judge societies in the past, and I'm glad that they had the conflict that they did in the South and the North over the issue of slavery. Those people in their everyday lives were committing moral atrocities. But I also recognize that they were in a different time. They were in a product of their time, a product of their environment. Their economy ran around slavery. It was a, it was a, it was a poor decision. It was a very, very bad decision to create an economy like that. But to say that they fought to maintain something, it was immoral what they were doing. But they, those people were erected because they were protectors. They were viewed as protectors. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were, at home, they were viewed as protecting their way of life. And although it was wrong, I... They were I, still acting as a bastion. Right. And I think that you can recognize the memorial for what it was. I do realize that that can seem... What, what's the word? Generationally painful, right? But I, I would hope, and I know this is coming from someone who doesn't live in that ethnicity, you know. Anyway, I'm rambling on, but I just wanted to say I, I, I view it, the history like you do, in a way. Like I, there is no, history is history. Okay, and, and what today is morally right, has always been morally right, and we were wrong and misguided. And it caused untold suffering. 
but I don't, I think that we cover up the progressive moves that we've made in civil rights by acting like we're doing some moral good by knocking down a monument. That's what I feel like. And and it just creates this friction that is just totally unnecessary. It's not accomplishing anything. That's a really good point. So it may be a unique opinion, but memorials to me don't, I mean, I understand why people want that unending thing that honors something but just to me like the you don't need that like there's knowledge that you can learn to have that connection and i mean this is one side of like the revision stuff but i don't do something better with that space created a a library in that park you know I, I don't see, I mean, I understand where you're coming from. There isn't something, there's no inherent good that comes from the monument. There's no, I mean, well, in a general sense. I mean, there is some emotional good in some of the, yeah. like I said, the victim-supported monuments, like the Vietnam Memorial or something, where people go in remembrance. That's one thing. But I think we're comparing, we'll just stick to the ones that are causing division, I guess. Let, let's say, for example, uh, the Nazis, I mean, they killed six million Jews, right? This is not a, this it's, not a, a it's, a, it's an ugly mess, yeah. you know? It's a bad historical era. But say you have a farm over there near Normandy, right? And then you have this, like, concrete bunker that housed the army that supported the most heinous leader or one of the most heinous leaders of all time an army that in other areas, you know, gassed choose. So this is a serious symbol, right? But it's not looked at the same way as the remnant from a civil war. It's, it's viewed at its historical perspective. Like it's, it's looked at from that perspective, but a Confederate monument erected by the Confederates, isn't looked at it from its original historical perspective. It's looked at from, from an emotional way. current perspective. You see what I'm saying? Like there seems to be this disconnect where we feel like if it was something different in the past and meant something different to them, we can't accept that when it had to do with, with racial division, right? We can't accept that it, that that used to be something that was protected because that was wrong but it doesn't mean that 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 bunker has to be torn down right even if there's a you know even if even if it's remembered for what it is i don't view these i don't care necessarily about these monuments you know what i mean but there is a a mob mentality when you go to say tear it down. When those words start flowing out of people's mouths, people rally behind it. Yeah. It it creates a momentum. I mean, there are statues of abolitionists that have been torn down. Like I meant that literally happened because the mob can't distinguish anymore. 
They don't know the history. They don't, they don't know. They're tearing down the people that brought them there. The people that actually said in their day, they will, they were the norm breakers, right? They were the ones that went against the current. They strove for change in the face of people who lived what they thought was completely normal. And they said, no, you're morally wrong. And that takes a lot of courage. And those people should be celebrated and remembered. Are memorials the best way for that? I don't know. That's not necessarily what I care about. Like what I care about is the fact that you're not distinguishing history. You claim to have a purpose, but you can't maintain that purpose. It, you're just a, a snowball gathering snow and rebelling for the sake of rebelling. And I, I don't, I'm not saying there aren't modest aims there. I'm not saying that there aren't moral there. I'm not saying that there isn't moral righteousness involved and that it's not a good thing to get rid of racism because it is. I just feel like tearing down a statue is not going to get you yeah, what you want. I, I it's guess, a really ineffective way. It's not, whether it's there or not, does not change the course of, of that division. Yeah. I, I guess well, I, I think I it should, might perpetuate. Yeah, it incites division. I, I guess I should re restate what I said because I didn't say what I meant. Clearly, I should say. I don't think memorials should hold the historical weight they should. That's a good way. I don't think memorials should be the things that hold that weight. Uh, anybody I, can build a memorial. Yes. Right? I, I guess that's why I mentioned the library and everything earlier. Knowledge in itself should be the one that holds that weight. Yeah. I agree with that. So I feel like the tearing down of statues or the raising of statues, memorials in general, shouldn't, I, I don't have, there's no reason for them. The knowledge already exists and it should be recorded somewhere. If it is or isn't, that's besides the point. But the knowledge of history should be recorded. Memorials should have nothing to do with it. Like and build them if you want, but like it, it, history is still history. In the end, it's a stone statue. Mm -hmm. Whether it represents something is up to you as mm -hmm. a person. If you accept the fact that that statue means nothing, then eventually, I promise, people are going to come to the, the conclusion that it's a statue and means nothing. People like to idolize things. But essentially what you're saying is, in the, in the frame of revising history, um, putting the statue up didn't revise history and tearing it down didn't revise history. Right. But both of you are acting like it is. The yeah, one who right. put it up and the one who's tearing it down, you're yes. both acting like you're changing history. The, the tearing down of these Confederate statues or, well, or mean placing history. literally nothing. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it could be said that the erection of, of the statues could be because they felt... History was changed by this person instead of thinking the statue will have an effect. Oh, yeah, itself. that's that's a fair assumption. I'm just saying, like, the people that are fighting to not let it come down, like the people on the yeah, other yeah, side, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. really what I meant, I guess. 
the person on the other side who's saying, no, you can't tear down that if statue. You, and the person you who's wanna, saying they want to tear down the statue. If you want to honor the person. They both feel like they're preserving history yeah. in some way, but neither one of them are actually totally, preserving history. If you want to memorialize, quote unquote, uh, and honor the person who acted as a bastion, remember them. Pass down their name through your family. Like, make sure their name is remembered. I th- there, yeah. The, you, there's no need to make this idol of them, if that makes sense. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. But I think, actually, I'm, I'm distracted a little bit by the monuments because the truth is, and you got to this point here, by saying none of it is actual history, that's just a monument. And the history is in the knowledge, right? So really where, where the revision of history, the preservation of history is at, we all agree, is in education and, oh and getting to that history and imparting that history and passing it on. So that's the most important part. What's the most famous phrase? I don't even know who said it. What's the most famous phrase out there about those who oh, don't know their history or are doomed, doomed to repeat it? it. Yeah. I don't know who that is, but... I mean, it's just so commonly used, right? So that's the element that we have to fight against. You know, it's important that we understand the fall of Rome. Yeah. It was one of the first democracies to exist. And so if we're in part some way modeling, you know, even partially that empire or, or country, like what went wrong? Is that important to us? So there's definitely factors you should stay away from. You avoid totalitarian control. You know, you, there's all of these things that are important. And so when it comes to David's got an answer for who said that. So we're, so Edmund Burke is misquoted as saying it was actually, this isn't one of those. Okay. It was a Spanish philosopher who he pulled the aphorism from. It's called an aphorism. I don't mean to get aphorism. I didn't even know that was a word. Never heard that myself either. I thought you mispronounced a concise, a, a, a concise statement of a principle. Aphorism. Aphorism. It's aphorism. Aphorism. A yeah. concise statement of a principle. I think mm. we should know that word. Right. At this point, like a concise that statement it, of what? Principle. Principle of a principle. The a terse formulation of a proof of a truth or sentiment. Anyway. It was a uh, Spanish philosopher, George Santaya. Santayana? Carlos Santana. <laughs> I would love for it to have been somebody so modern. Winston oh, Churchill right. also wrote something along the same lines. I think I might have seen it attributed to Winston Churchill before. I thought it was a president, man. Which he's a prime minister, so it's pretty well, close. Well, yeah, but... So anyway, the the basis of the quote really is just learn from your history right so we all know that that comes from the education and education is primarily done through children so i think the focus on the revision of history has to be the education of our children and what that looks like is the key there is uh we were talking about where the center of this debate about 
the preservation of the history or the revision of the history and how it needs to be changed and whether it needs to be changed and all that stuff. There is a new movement in play right now that you guys may not be aware about just because of the circles and um, different lifestyles that we have where I have children that are in elementary school. Um, I have two of them in an elementary right. school. Now, I homeschooled my oldest daughter until she was in third grade. And then we sent her on to public school. And we were responsible for teaching her early history. And I wanted to give her a basic understanding about the history of our country before it was possibly corrupted. And about the importance of freedom. Because that idea is under attack in the education system today. I wanted to undergird her ability to understand capitalism and what it means. And I wanted her to understand the importance of the Constitution and law all of those things I wanted to reinforce because I didn't want those things to become unimportant. And because all of those are what give us our personal freedom mm. and give, not give, allow the individual a choice, a choice. Yeah. I guess that's freedom. It's just restating freedom anyway. All right. So I was in depth with the curriculum with her for a couple of years and then it got passed on, you know, that torch passed on to the yeah. public school system for me because we had a third child and things got with two full-time jobs, got too busy. So I started paying a little closer attention. And then around that time that this happened, this transition happened for us, this debate started to boil over in the political realm and the educational realm. And what this movement is, it started I think it started with the New York Times. But they started a project called 1619 Project. Have you ever heard of this? No. Okay, let me see if I can sum it up. Basically, they say they have to rewrite American history. They don't hide that fact. That is their point. It's their focus. And they say, this plays into CRT a little bit. And listeners, if you don't know what that is, that's critical race theory. And hopefully we'll get deeper into that one day, but that's not the topic for today. I mean, you'll hear hints of it, but that's basically, um, this is the beginning of CRT. And it's CRT is tied into the 1619 Project. But basically they view the, the history of the United States as corrupt from its very inception in the beginning. With its involvement with slavery, with its um, white male hierarchy, all, all of the bad things you can imagine, they define it as. They use that as the hallmark for this is what it was and this is how it should be taught. It should be taught that way, said like that. And they go through the history and they say that the beginning of America really started around 1619 with the support of slavery, the use of slavery in our economic system, and it needs to be taught and explained 
And what people like me, typically conservatives, as a general rule, tend to view this as revisionist in a way and with a purpose to turn future generations against the current design of the country. They want to start young. That's the goal. And throughout their education, program children because that's what you do. Children are programmed. My children are programmed. And there's no way you can deny that. That's children are empty slates. And so what you pour onto them is what they absorb. And so understanding what you're giving them is essential. And so the idea is America is racist, has always been racist, and it is what defines America, and it has since the inception of slavery and its importation of African-Americans since 1619. Okay. He, they, are now de- they have now developed course curriculum for children around this concept all across the country. And their plan is to indoctrinate, and I'm using, I guess, maybe what some people would consider inflammatory words. I'm just telling it like I understand it. So we'll just go from there. And this will obviously require more in-depth looking. But the 1619 Project is a revisionist history plan to take the history that we have now and replace it. Okay? And all of the achievements of the racist white slaveholders including many of our founding fathers, need to be erased because of their transgressions. Okay, so they don't deserve their place in history because of what they've done. Whether or not the progress was in the right direction. Yeah. Like it doesn't, you know, George Washington didn't free all of his slaves while he was alive. Um, but many people consider him to be humble and generous and one of the greatest leaders that we've ever had and lucky that we had him to lead the revolution. But to them, he's a monster, you know, but do they, and he's given undue worship. Right. Because of his position and power. Do they like want to totally expunge some things or like just it, put them in a different light? Or See, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, it, it really doesn't either way. Either way, Cause, bridging cause it. Either they went way, into editing it with a goal. Yeah. Either way, right. you're editing something that shouldn't be edited. Yeah. Selectively. That's true. Yes. And so there is this battle going on in the education front right now. The Trump administration tried to counter it with the 1776 project. Um, But that's not something we should be proud of. He just did a terrible job. 
he rushed it out and it wasn't peer reviewed and it was just full of inaccuracies which is just another way to give strength to the opposing I, I think he had a plan but um he was leaving office and so they had to release the report yeah um and I'm not giving credence to that report. I won't support. I, I haven't read through it completely. I've only read excerpts and listened to people talk about it. So I'm not backing that up. But I'm just saying, I mean, he had planned to finish the the 1776 project in his next term. And I don't know the motivation, so I can't back that up. I can't say that he was trying to counter 1619 project or whether he was trying to push his own version of history. I, I don't know. I, I can only say they created a battle that shouldn't exist where we should be focusing on just passing on the truth and not trying to, there shouldn't be a goal when you're passing history on, because if there is, then you are going to, Edit it. You're proving the people right who are saying history is written by the victors. And you, it, got, you got in power, you did your thing yeah. to control it. And it's like, that's not. History is not that. History is showing what we've gone through to get yeah. to this point. And it creates that counter narrative where somebody feels like they have to tell, you know, the South has to tell their side and they have to protect it. And they, like, all you're going to do is create division, right? Divisive discourse, boys. Yeah. I mean, here's what the goal of history should be. History. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. How complicated is this? Like, I can accept, I can understand with my mind who George Washington was. Tell me about his slaves. Tell me about how he treated his slaves. Whatever's in history anyway, you know, not subjectivity yeah. and, and, and don't knows, but tell me about Lewis and Clark. Tell me if they mistreated tribes. Tell me what they did do. Right. Tell like I, this doesn't, it's not complicated. Yeah. Yeah. Just show, show me history. Yeah. Show me what happened. Stop trying to do anything and just tell me. Going back to the topic, the revision, the revising and of history and the protecting of the revising of history. You know, it's all of this stuff that's going on. You know, slavery in the United States. And then now we're having riots in the streets you know so and i can understand people in power attempting to modify history for gain right what i can't understand is why the layman would even think of allowing that to happen right like something Something does it doesn't click in my head that the average person would be like, yeah, let's let's change history. Like, can I play the devil's advocate on the other side here, please? Because okay. like in my head, it doesn't make sense why you would 
want to change history. Okay, well, those those rich, white, racist men in history have built a system now run by rich, white men who are possibly racist. So, what does... Who is in power have to do with what is taught in history? Because they believe what is taught in history has perpetuated all forms of American system, economic, government, and all of that. And they've been flawed from the beginning and need to be torn down. They're teaching this. As part of history wrapped up in an ideology, it's bad. Remember, we were talking about CRT was going to come back. And this is it. This is this is the intersection with CRT. Right? The intersection with yeah, CRT yeah. meaning the perpetuation of systems built by those that were in power, they claim weakened those that were oppressed and over time are in a weakened position and no longer Follow. equal. And to rectify that, they have to tip the scale the other direction. We've been here before, right, in this conversation? History should be taught as it was, period. The implications of otherwise means you're manipulating someone. And if you think manipulating someone is wrong, then you should be against it completely. And it is wrong. Yeah. Especially children. Especially children. Our goal should be to teach them history and critical thinking so they can deduce for themselves the implications of what they've learned. Right. Stop trying to force them to understand. But but critical thinking is important to history. I agree. Because history can be interpreted. It shouldn't be interpreted when it's written. But it is interpreted by the individual. And there's no way to avoid that. Because mm-hmm. we're... Free thinkers. Yeah. We're moral creatures yeah. too. We have our own biases and that's going to happen, but it should happen on our end. Yeah. It shouldn't be. The things that should yeah, be taught should be fact. Yeah. Opinion should be formed. We don't want the bias by, by fed the to us. Yeah. yeah. And it, and it's insulting. I think it's insulting. Like we, I don't I mean, need you to do, I don't yeah. need you to do that for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Yeah. right it's inherently like well i don't want to say nefarious but i'm going to it's inherently nefarious or i mean it feels like to me like when i think of you know revising history i'm like no (laughs) don't not gonna happen (laughs) you know yeah but it's it's happening yeah and I don't know. This goes to that system. You know, I'm part of, I, I, I signed up recently as a volunteer for convention of States. I'm not trying to plug them here. I just, the thing is there needs to be bipartisan support. And if there isn't bipartisan support over ending the indoctrination of children, over a biased view of history. That to me indicates rot. 
Yeah, exactly. Like that to me indicates that at the highest levels, there is a deep issue that requires address. And I don't know what to do about that. It's the political party in power at the moment. And we've all been down this road before. And I just, I, I do not want the system to collapse. And I feel like they're just for their own gain, feeding that inner fire. That's going to burn the whole place down. Yeah. But the convention of States has a few main goals. And one of those is bipartisan support. And by that is ending lifetime politicians and, and instituting term limits everywhere. You know, you can't, you, you can't go in and then sit right. and then, and then you can't go in poor. And then 47 years later, you're a multimillionaire. Right. Right. It's not like the, the lobbying system, the payment system, it's all broken and rotten. And that I think should have bipartisan support. And I think those are areas to start because the system needs renewing and it needs renewing in a legal way that doesn't right. require the dangers of a full reset, you know, and I'm not trying to talk too hyperbolic. Like I don't want that to sound incendiary. I just, I think that the system has gotten so displaced, you know, originally, Instead of burning the whole thing down, you just pull out the problem pieces. Well, you can pick at it. I mean, that's a big deal. A full term limits all across the board. It, they're never going to vote on it on their own, right? You're never going to get yeah, Congress to thing. say, yeah. Yeah. all of us are now out of a job in four years. You're never going to get it to happen, especially when they can keep lining their pockets. But... The only way that that can happen is by a constitutional change. Mm -hmm. And for a constitutional change to happen, you have to go through a convention of states, Article 5. Right. And a convention of states just pulls all the states together from their state legislators, like the people at the state local level, not your representative in Washington. Well, I mean, that makes sense, right? Because it's like putting a person on a jury. They can't be, or sorry, putting a person in a position where they're being judged. Mm -hmm. They can't be a part of the jury. Yeah. And they're right. not, they're not, they're not part of it. They are a representative anyway. They're not. The no. State. Yeah. That, that's what I was saying. Like all this, like the Alabama Senate, we don't know most of them. We don't know most of them personally. Right. But they represent the state of Alabama and they make all the decisions locally. They are the government of Alabama. And they govern this state. And they represent this state. Right. And they can represent this state in a convention of all the other states. And that convention can drastically alter some of these, you know, it can make some of these changes. So you're not going to, and because of the setup of the convention of states, you're not going to get like a radical, you're not going to get like a tear down. They're not going to rip apart the constitution and 
you know, there are a lot of fears around that, but the main goal here is to be able to do a reset and you have to go in from outside the federal government. Mm-hmm. And the article five gives you that opportunity in a legal way. And those can states have to get together and it's going to be a multi-year process, but Hopefully. once they reach 34, then all 50 states get together because whatever's decided at the convention is decided. It's, right. it's law. Like it, it, it becomes part of the constitution. That's a side. But I, I think that it just led me into it because we were talking about the system no, yeah. rot mm-hmm. and how it all sort of comes from that and feeds down from that. And they support that for their own gain and I, or their own political advancement or whatever at the time. And, um, I think that you need that revolving door because it doesn't need to be a place of personal enrichment. And once that goes away, I think that's a big deal. Like once those term limits are set, like once people start it's no personally advantageous for, yeah. to be up there, those types of people in, at least in moderation, they filter away from that. And so people that actually care about the people they're speaking for, or at least they can't do as much damage you know? Yeah, yeah. Before the next person steps in who possibly can fill that role. Anyway, but I, I think as a permanent solution, it's a it's a good one. And so Alabama's already agreed to be part of the Convention of States. They've already passed that mm. in their state legislature. And we're just waiting on lots of other states. It's probably gonna be about twenty twenty three before they they get enough. Conclude but, and yeah. But anyway. I don't know how that's going to go over in the general public. I have, I'm, I'm curious about that because um, people are going to view it as radical. They're going to paint it as a radical move. They already are. Um, it's a constitutional move, and it was put in place for this specific reason, and it was put in place to avoid bloodshed. So what was Article, Article 5. Five? Yeah, yeah. The 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 con- the yeah. ability to hold a convention and alter the constitution through the states themselves. But the good thing about that is you can keep radical bias out of the situation because you have to have 50 states come together Mm -hmm. and you're not going to get stuff passed. Yeah. You're not going to get radical stuff. No, you think you're going to get 50 states to agree to, uh, well, let's say, let's pick something. Uh, let's say all 50 states should ban abortion. Not going to happen. Don't even bring it up. Yeah. Right. It would just be a sank issue. Yeah. It would just tank. So you have to find issues that are going to resolve find common ground. And the common ground there is your state needs to regain its power. And that doesn't require a political party. Right. Its responsibility and its own power needs to be reclaimed. And now you have a representative in there from your state. Who's not that elected official who enriches themselves. And so without that, what is that? Not bias, but that uh, self-interest. Without that self-interest at stake, they're able to make an unbiased decision. Right, right. A massive reset has <laughs> to come, or yeah. a collapse will come. Yeah. And if a collapse comes, before we're able... And this is why I sound passionate about things like Convention of States or whatever. It's because I care. I want the last ditch effort. I want the Hail Mary. I don't want a collapse of the system. 
and people want to go about their life and they want to go to Walmart and they want to watch Netflix and forget that this stuff is going on. But the honest to God truth is they count on you not paying attention because you're comfortable. Yeah. And I understand that it's not fun sometimes to think about. And I understand that it's not easy sometimes to sound off when everyone around you is being quiet and you look like the kook, right? Because they want it that way. Because it keeps people quiet. And when they can pigeonhole you and label you, then they can isolate you away from being an effective communicator. So it's difficult nowadays to find that spot, that sweet spot that you can ride where you can tell people how you think without them labeling you as an extremist. Yeah. A tinfoil hat yeah. extremist. So, and those labels are getting tougher and tougher to avoid. I.e., you know, divisive discourse. Yeah, exactly. I think we've all come to the, our conclusions. I think for the most part, we're all agreed. Yeah, does anybody feel like there's a disagreement anywhere? No, I don't I, see it, but... I think we all agree history should be left unabridged. Yeah. And that the moral decisions are should be left on the person. Yeah. What person? Oh, the person the, in... Yeah, receiving the yeah. information. Gotcha. Receiving history. Unbiased, unedited, unabridged. Right. History can then be interpreted on the personal end. That's yes. your job. I yep. think we're all in agreement. That's 100% I, it. I mean, that wasn't necessarily the exact question. I mean, it was to talk about the revision of history in the country. Mm-hmm. And we talked about that, I think. And it's okay to do some research on um, examples of how history is being re- revised or how it's being the revision is being fought against. I think those things need to be looked at. It's going to be a little bit more complicated to research this you're not just going to type one right. term in yeah. and then like go from there. So we're going to have to sort of look for the right content and that's good. That's expected sometimes. No. Yeah. I think I'd like to take a look over the 1776 project and the 1619 project and see what those entail in full. But yeah, we're all on the same page, I think. And Again, thank you, Anonymous, for submitting that topic. It's been pretty enlightening, I think, for us to just sort of dig through. And and we got more to do. So we're going to move forward from here and call it a night, guys. So, you know, as always, everyone, head over to our Facebook page, Candor Encounter Podcast. Look for the post for this episode. Leave a comment. Maybe maybe check out the links that we're putting in there because we'll be citing them there. You can also... If you want to submit a topic at candorencounter.com slash submit, pretty much anything we'll take and try to roll around. So please consider submitting one. We would really, really love that. If you do happen to find us on our website, at the top is a link for a Podchaser rating. If you'll rate us there, give us some good reviews, let us know what we can do better. We're definitely open to listening. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review there as well. It really helps our our ratings and it helps us um, get exposed to new listeners and so we just thank you for coming 
I think it's been a fun ride today. Just remember, we love you as a human being. We're really glad you were here to share this with us. We're going to come back next week and open this topic up some more. And you can join us again then. All right. Well, thank you everyone for listening. So until next time, we're out. signed off like 30, 40 seconds ago. This is truly it. Psych.